You're listening to the weekly Joel Klatt segment podcast. Listen to it live every Wednesday between 8 and 8.30 a.m. during the football season. Presented exclusively by Audi Flatirons in Broomfield. Exceeding your experience from the first mile to the last. Joel Klatt joins us now as he is uh, presented by Audi Flatirons. Joel Klatt! Oh, is, oh, let me pot him up here. Hold on. Oh, I haven't had to pot him, but there he is. Hey, yeah. Hello, Joel. How you doing? What's happening? What's going on, fellas? Good to, good to have you on a Wednesday. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's a good call, uh, Mike. I, you know, I gotta tell you, I just miss your snark. I just do. Yeah. Oh, it's it, it, it is it is amazing. The wedge driving is at an all time. It's just an all time high. Yeah, where do you think I cult, yeah. where do you think I really learned it and, yeah. and cultivated it? It was with my man here, Clat. So, uh, I well, imagine. you're welcome. Yeah, uh, again. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> yeah, uh, right. hey, hey, Joel. When you like just preseason in general, and you know, I've always said, and a lot of people have said this. You know, the, the games don't count, but they do matter. It does matter how you perform. It does matter how you play. How do you like? How do you digest a game like we saw on Saturday, where the Broncos go out to Buffalo and just get ramshackled from the opening kickoff on through till the end of the game? Well, generally, you don't digest it. You, you, it's like, you know, it's like taking a shot of, of bad liquor. You just throw it up right away. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, th- that was that was brutal. It was brutal on all levels. There, there was not many positives to take from it. I, I felt like effort was poor. Um, scheme was an, anemic and, and basic, which can be understandable. Yes. And and I don't think that it would cause much concern at all. If this, this group together had a track record of success, right? Because prior performance would then kind of dictate some level of confidence moving forward. But when you've got a first-time head coach and, and when you've got a lot of the new pieces, I guess, you know, when you're talking about the most important spots, you, you would think that you, you need <laughs> at least some level of quality performance to draw upon to increase your confidence for the regular season. So I, I'm with you. Like, you don't want to certainly not panic but it's kind of head scratching. And, and in particular, when you're talking about, you know, a, a first year head coach with a lot of inexperience on the staff, um, it's, it's one of those things that's a, a little bit concerning with the way that they played in particular at the line of scrimmage. I mean, what they give up over seven yards a carry and, you know, couldn't run it for two yards a carry. I don't care who you're playing or, you know, all oh, our starters weren't playing and, that was just an all-out, absolute drubbing by what you could, I think, easily say is one of the favorites in the AFC. So, if anything, that was a good measuring stick, and they, they came up woefully short. And so, as, as opposed to previous or, or other preseasons, I would say my level of concern is a bit higher, just because there's no track record to, to call upon. Visit with Joe Clatt. Do you believe in in wake up calls, and is that maybe a silver lining that that comes out of this after a relentlessly positive off season and and training camp? Uh, this is maybe a little sobering uh, reminder of reality that that can kind of help snap everybody back a little bit. Well, y- y- yes, and and I, I don't love the term wake up call, but but I do I do believe in 
things that happen during the year that allow the coaches to coach in a certain way. And in particular, if they've got any muster about them, if they've got any wherewithal about them, what they will, what they will know is that the human instinct is that you can, you can treat winners. Um, it, it, well, let's put it this way. They can coach them harder now than they were in previous weeks, right? Because players that are having a lot of success, tend to rely on that success and, and they can just say, listen, I'll like, I'll be fine. Don't worry about it. But when you have a performance like that, boy, you can get after them. And yes, you do have their attention. So is it a wake up call? Yes, it's a wake up call, but more it's about the style in which you can go about practicing and, and the, the, I'd, I'd say the level of urgency that you can have both in the meeting room and on the practice field. Uh, I think that that's can be one of the most important things that come out of a game like that. I think here in Denver, it's a foregone conclusion that uh, Josh Johnson is going to be the backup to Russell Wilson, but there is somewhat of a competition going on. And I thought that uh, Brett Rippon has really played very well throughout the preseason right now. Just wondering your perspective as a quarterback on these two guys battling right now. How do you see that coming up, just playing out in general? I, I, I get the sense that the coaching staff has already made up their mind, you know, and, and yet the play on the field, like I thought, I thought Brett looked decent <laughs> to be quite honest with you. I think his numbers show that. Um, I think that the efficiency is up there. I think he only had, I want to say like five incompletions, maybe less was it four incompletions. So he clearly understands the system. You don't go out there and play to that level of efficiency unless you really understand what's going on with the schematics unless you understand what you're trying to do uh, in the offense. And here's the thing from, from a quarterback uh, position battle, in particular when you're talking about the backup and not the starter. When you're talking about the backup and not the starter, you're looking for different things. Okay, As a starting quarterback, you have to be the reason that you're winning. Okay, So you've got to find guys that are above the X's and O's, that can do special things in this league, that can carry your team at times, that can be the reason that you're winning games. In the backup quarterback, you're finding not the opposite, but you're finding a guy that is the reason that you won't lose a game. And those are very different things in very different roles. Okay, so for my estimation, you're not looking for the best the best quarterback as much as you're looking for the most efficient guy that could get you through a week or two, right? And, and I don't know how you feel about this, in particular having – gone through a Super Bowl year in which Bubby played, what was it? Was it six games he, for you guys? Yeah, Mark? he started four, but he I think he started four, but he played really seven games. Yeah, he really right. he was he really was the so primary it, player in seven games. It, it was an extended time. So you might feel differently about this because you, you saw a guy that had to come in and sustain a level that got you not only into the postseason, but a quality seed even though you guys had to do it that, that I guess I always call it the second year from the wild card position. But for me, the backup has got to be a guy that's not going to turn the football over, that's going to run the offense efficiently. So what I'm always looking for when I'm watching these backup quarterbacks is, does this guy understand the why and not just the what of the offense? You get a lot of guys that understand what to do, but do you understand why you're doing it? And, and the why to me is so important because you understand why the route structure and the picture of the route structure is a certain way in order to manipulate the defense and bracket the defender 
or or why the progression is read a certain way in order to manipulate the defense in order to get guys open and create space. And so when you go and you play that efficiently, like Brett did, to me, it screams that he understands the why. I think that he's a bit more efficient at times. And so I, I would be looking very closely at him as a backup because of the roles that I was just laying out for you. Well, he's going to get a chance to start this week uh, in the final preseason game after being the backup to Josh Johnson the first two weeks. You know, I love picking your brain, the, the quarterback perspective that you're able to bring. And after a preseason, it's been much debated about Nathaniel Hackett's decision not to play the starters at all. I'm curious, what will be the biggest challenge, the biggest obstacles for Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett to overcome opening night in Seattle? You know oh, the God. dynamic between quarterback and coach. So what what are they missing out on the by not playing in the preseason? What will they have to overcome opening night? I, th- I think a lot. <clears throat> I don't agree with the decision, uh, personally. Um, I understand trying to stay healthy, um, but to this degree, I do think that it's a bit fear-based. Um, in particular, and, and every decision that this coaching staff and Nathaniel Hackett has to make, by the way, has to be made in this new vein of new ownership. right? If you're a first-time head coach and you basically, you know, get this lease on, on life, this open window, because you get a Super Bowl winning quarterback. In his mind, I think it was based on fear that it was like, there's no way I'm putting him out there so that my new owner sees him get hurt. There's no way. And and, and in some regards, you know, I think the Tim Patrick injury kind of spooked this this staff off of, of trying to get these guys started. I'm a big believer in that you've got to understand, you've got to be comfortable with everything going on on the offense. You've got to be comfortable with how the play sounds in the huddle with the quarterback. You've got to understand what it feels like to have crowd noise, even a little bit of crowd noise in the huddle when you're trying to uh, call the play as a quarterback and the other guys are trying to hear the play as a quarterback. You've got to understand what your coach's voice sounds like in your helmet with a little bit of crowd noise, with a little bit of pressure. What happens to him? What's his cadence like in that type of call? It, it, I, I would be incredibly nervous. Now, granted, I'm, I'm anxious in general, but I would be incredibly nervous to go out and, and the first time that I'm going to deal with all that is, is live bullets. It's a little bit like college football. And at that point, it becomes a grab bag. You don't know what you're going to get. And that's everything in this sport is built to try to avoid the situation, in particular as a quarterback, where you don't know what's going to happen. That's why you study countless hours of film so that you know the defensive looks that you're going to get. That's why you go through and pour over your offensive game plan so you know exactly where your coach is going to go, the formations that he likes, the personnel groups that he likes in those different types of situations. Everything in this sport is built so that when you get under the fire, you understand that you can just go react because you're not having to think about all these things that are happening for the first time. So I don't agree with the, the, the decision. Will it pay off? Hopefully. 
but but I, I do think that you're playing with fire a little bit. I would not like this situation as a quarterback or a play caller to try to deal with this all for the first time, in particular in that environment, by the way. That's going to be supercharged. You know, I mean, that place is going to be on fire. It's one of the loudest places in the league next to Kansas City. And you're going to roll in there and have have no experience as a starting group of what it feels like to play together and, and try to execute together. I mean, I don't I don't love it. How'd your camping experience go last week? Well, it, it was more of a glamp. I got to tell you, uh, there was. Uh, the cabin had a bathroom and a shower oh, and, and everything. So yeah, Oof. went great. You're you're really roughing it. Yeah, oh, man. Thank Oof. you. Yeah. Thank you. Were you worried about again, bears outside? You know, again, I have more respect for my ancestors than most, as they toiled around sleeping outside and you know praying for things like electricity and running water. I don't just throw those away willy nilly and go sleep outside so they can pump me in the balls. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I got a little more respect than that. So yeah. you want to you want to pay off what your ancestors went through, right? Exactly. That's Why exactly. would it, they fought right, they, they right, fought right, the Mike. good fight? It's so called, what, it's called respect, respect, and right? An acknowledgement okay. of, yeah, of, yeah, yeah. of what they did for me in in their past. A fa- quick question: Nick Saban's new deal. Are you okay? College football is your life. Are, are you okay with the salaries that are paid to head coaches? Well, in some respects, they're egregious, and then in other respects, they're they're woefully underpaid. <laughs> you know, so in in the model, and I know that it's transitioning as we speak. In the model where you know the players are amateurs, it's egregious to pay the head coach that amount of money. Then, when you look at the amount of money that that a guy in that position, who's the most important position, remember the head coach in college football is the quarterback to that organization, right? The quarterback in the NFL is the most important piece of that franchise. Well, the head coach in college football is the most important piece of that program. And and in some degrees, even more important mm-hmm. because they become kind of the owner, GM, and head coach of that program. They've got more power than the president. They've got more power than the athletic director. So there's nobody necessarily signing his checks under other than like a board of regents who have to answer to in and in a uh, a lot of occasions to the public who will run them out of town if they don't support the coach. Um, so in, in that respect, with the money garnered and, and the importance of that position, then there's no amount of money that you can pay him that makes him worth it. So it's it's definitely both sides of the coin. I think that as we move to a model where, where players are, are generating income within IEL, maybe they're sharing uh, who knows what's going to happen in the future and revenue that the conference is, is generating through television agreements, then then it'll become more equitable. Um, but generally, when I see that, I just sit down and kind of close my eyes, and I think to myself, why in God's name did I, didn't I go into coaching? Yeah. Yes. Right. right. One, I'm 100% with you yeah. on that. It's like, you look at that, $11.7 million or whatever it is. Hey, Joel, man, you're the best. We can't wait for uh, – we can't wait to watch you. Uh, during the uh, during the college gonna football be a lot of season, fun. gonna be a lot same, but same, buddy. Uh, next week, yeah, Thursday, I got that Penn State Purdue, and I'm coming back, and I'm gonna get to take my boys for the first time ever to a CU game next Friday when they play TCU. I cannot wait, boy. Mm. Let me just say, as a huge fan of video tributes. I hope they roll out a video tribute for oh, you. Oh, that'd be great. You, <laughs> you deserve a video tribute, That's right? For, for, oh, for what? 
first, just, well, this was when Joel got his first concussion, and there was the third one. Was, no, 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 no. They, I can bounce, you, bounce back from this one. Oh, oh they, hey, Trudell let's show the let's show the too. Texas hit too. What, what the, no, what yeah. they do is they take a that like this is like almost like cloudy image of you, and it's it, and in the background of that cloudy image of you, it's all the buildings you helped build through yes. the football program, yes. and then at the very end of it, it's like majestic music. It's the uh, science building. It's all these different buildings, and then it just says, "You're welcome." Yes. Oh, yes. man, I tell you what, Mark. Yeah. Truer words have never been spoken. <laughs> yep. When it's all said and done, the golf team walks out. Yeah. And yes. <laughs> and they bow. And they bow. And they bow. They bow oh. to the That's box. Right. That's yeah. right. That's right. And then I flip them each one golf ball. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> See you, Joel. Joel Later. Flat. Uh, presented by Audi Flatirons. <laughs> well, now he's a hot snot. Oh, all right. Yeah. Hello, this is Ryan Watson, Vice President and General Manager of Audi Flatirons and Audi Boulder Service. When was the last time a dealership delivered the experience you were looking for? Have you ever felt that buying a car was solely about making the sale? It should be about the relationship, beginning with your commitment to do business with us and continuing through the years to follow. Our team is dedicated to exceeding your expectations from the first mile to the last. Come see us in person or visit us online at AudiFlatirons.com or AudiBoulderService.com.